we find in the beginning of the Parsha, uh, Yaakov was praying to Hashem. Um, as we know, Rashi brings down, also and our sages bring down. I don't pick up and I come back because I'm defend. So I have to go pick him up and Wait for me, come He said that um, the. Um, he prepared himself for three things. Yaakov. Um, he prepared himself with a gift that he was ready, that he sent to Esau. He prepared himself for war, if that was necessary. And he also prayed to God. So he covered all grounds. He covered all, all, all areas. Made sure that he is prepared for the challenge. Of course, we know that Esau came after Yaakov spent 20 years with Lavan, who tried to uh, cheat him and uh, deceive him. Uh, then, finally, when he leaves one problem, when he leaves Lavan, then he all of a sudden has to deal now with his brother, who is still angry from years ago, in the time that Yaakov took the blessings from Yitzchak instead of Esau, instead of his brother. So now he's coming back to uh, start up with him and to... Uh, uh, cause trouble. So Yaakov is preparing himself. So Yaakov in his prayer says to Hashem he says He says I have been diminished I have become small because all of the kindness and all of the truth that you have done with your servant that he's saying to God so what he means by it is, as he continues in the verse, and he says, "Ki b'makli ovarti es ayardin hazeh v'ato yisi lishne machnos." Because when I passed the uh, yardin, this Jordan, he says, "All what I had was a stick. That's all that I had." B'makli ovarti es ayardin. Just with the stick, I didn't have any possessions. And Rashi brings this in his commentary. Rashi says that when Yaakov left uh, and came to Lavan, he was chased by his brother's son. That was Eliphaz. Eliphaz, who was Esau's son, he was chasing after Yaakov. And the reason he was chasing after Yaakov was because his father, Esau, told him to go catch Yaakov and kill him. But Eliphaz, who was educated and he grew up by Yitzchak, he didn't want to really kill uh, Yaakov. So he says, so what am I going to do? And he's sort of caught in between his father's instruction and he doesn't want to really do it. So Yaakov tells him, you know what? He says, why don't you take all of my possessions, whatever I own? And we know that a person who is poor is considered like dead. So you, you have sort of fulfilled your father's command, by taking everything that I own. But you won't actually kill me, so you won't have to kill me. So it turns out that when Yaakov came 
to Lavan, he came with just his stick. He didn't have anything else because everything that he owned was taken away by Eliphaz. Eliphaz took everything from him. Now, the other commentary is that he actually split, he was able to go over with the stick, he passed the Jordan with the stick, but nevertheless he says to God, look now I am two camps, what does it mean two camps? Because not only did he have now already all the tribes not all of them, Binyamin wasn't born yet, but he had 11 tribes, he had 11 sons that were born plus Dina Plus, according to the Medrash, and Rashi brings it down, there were some twin sisters there that were born at the time. And he has four wives, I mean, two regular wives and two concubine wives. He has Rachel and Leah, Bil and Zilpah. That's just his immediate family. But then the verse tells us that he uh, burst out into uh, many, as we find originally in the blessing to Yaakov when he originally was going and leaving and running and coming to going to Lavan Hashem told him that you shall burst out in all directions and actually the verse <coughs> uses that same lotion of Vayifrates uh, later on in the Parsha in the Parsha's Vayetze that he burst out <coughs> and he purchased and he had camel and he had uh, uh, sheep and he had uh, slaves and he has maidservants. He had, he had, he had an endless amount. As we see, even in the gift that he sent to Esau, it was a massive amount of gifts. And then he had people taking care of all this. And this. so he says to Hashem, Look, I went there with just my staff, just with a stick, and now I am two camps. And because of that, he says, Hashem, I'm really very worried now. Maybe I've already gotten paid for all my merits, for all the benefits, because you've been so kind to me. You've been so nice to me. And now, maybe I won't be able to uh, overcome this ace of because I no longer have any merits left, because I've used them all up. I've cashed them in already. I've already used up all my merits, and you, God, have been so graceful to me. You've been so kind to me, and maybe I don't have any, uh, any more merits. So therefore he was saying, Katointi, I've become small. In other words, I've been diminished. I've become less, uh, and maybe I don't have it. And that's why he's asking Hashem, please save me from my brother, from Esau, lest he come and he smite me, a mother and children, he'll totally destroy me. This is what he's praying to God. But the same thing is also true on a spiritual level. When a person experiences a kindness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does with you, any kindness that Hashem gives you sort of brings you close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which should bring out a feeling of humility by the person who is getting a kindness from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because inevitably, when Hashem shows you kindness and goodness and blessings, that means that you should have also the feeling towards Hashem to want to subjugate yourself, to want to put yourself into the service of Hashem, because... Uh, a person 
in of himself is basically you know self-centered a person has his needs has his uh, own ego he has his own self and usually a person most of the time cares and looks out for what's good for himself you know is self-centered it's selfish it's what's good for me and that's the natural way that we're created as feeling that we're the center of the universe and everything evolves around us you know we are it and everything else is there to serve my wishes and my needs and what you need but the truth of the matter is that everything is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that everything is Hashem. And while ordinarily when a person just walks around and doesn't pay attention, he can make a mistake. But when a person experiences a level that Hashem reaches out sort of to him to say, that Hashem blesses you, and that Hashem gives you kindness and gives you goodness, then that should in return, bring out a sense of feeling of gratitude and a feeling of subjugation and a feeling of, and a sense of feeling that, you know, I should really uh, be in the service of Hashem and should come to the recognition that um, it's um, my duty to serve Hashem and it's what Hashem wants, what counts, and I have to see what is it that I can do for Hashem, meaning Hashem wants me to live in a certain way, to do a certain way, to do the mitzvahs, to learn the Torah, and whatever Hashem wants me to do, how am I going to do this so? And these were also the words, as we know, that the first Chabad Rebbe, Shneir Zalman, he was released from prison, from the Tsarist prison, on the 19th day of Kislev, today we have the 12th day of Kislev, but this was the 19th day of Kislev, and the Alter Rebbe, when he was released from prison, he gave a talk, and it started with this verse, and he says, he gave this verse, and he says, I've been diminished because of Hashem's kindness, that Hashem has showed him freedom from the prison. The Alter Rebbe writes over there, that when you experience, like he experienced God's miracles, that's not a reason to become haughty, that's not a reason to become arrogant, that's a reason actually to become more modest and more uh, more humble. As we know the story, the Alter Rebbe was teaching a philosophy, uh, the Hasidic philosophy, which at the time, people haven't yet experienced that, and the people, the Alter Rebbe was a a giant in uh, in all aspects of Torah, and he was a a great leader. And he went on to perpetuate and to teach, disseminate the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, of the Hasidic masters. He was uh, his Rebbe, the Magad of Mizrich, and the Alter Rebbe, being a very powerful, you know, and a great human being, he was very influential, and he was able to, in a short while you know, gather a lot of great minds and a lot of great tzaddikim and a lot of holy great people became uh, involved and followed the teaching of the Alter Rebbe. And there were people in the Jewish community at the time who this was totally new to them and they didn't know which direction this is going to go. 
And unfortunately, the Jewish people have had some bad experiences in their history because there have been times uh, where uh, the Jewish people were plagued with false prophets, the false messiahs, they were plagued with, with people claiming different things. And then it turned out that this was actually uh, a movement and it was actually a, uh, a way to detract and take away people from Yiddishkeit. So, not to say, you know, who's to judge anybody, but there was, at the time, there was uh, a great opposition, you know, it was opposition to the Alter Rebbe, to his teachings, to the Hasidus and everything. And the opposition wasn't by, by any small people. These were great people that opposed. And these were giants, and this was the, basically the accepted, the Torah world, the scholars, were against this new ideas and the... Uh, new ways, new style, and new uh, new direction. This was something totally new to them. And they opposed that. And because they opposed it, they found that notwithstanding the Alter Rebbe's greatness, he was like the biggest threat. He was the biggest uh, worry for authentic Judaism because of what he is presenting over here. And they worked to try to stop the Alter Rebbe, you know, there were people that went, some people went overboard, some people went to extremes, and they did things until some people went to the, uh, to the government, and they slandered the Alter Rebbe, they made up different stories, and they succeeded to a certain extent. So when it came to Kislev, at that time, it was miraculously known, and the government was convinced, and everybody realized that the Alter Rebbe was no counter-revolutionary, he wasn't uh, threatening the Tsar, he wasn't against the Russian government, he had nothing to, uh, to do with the politics that they were having at the time. All what he was doing, he was a great Jewish leader trying to teach people Torah and Yiddishkeit and encourage and to get the masses, you know, to inspired to they can continue to learn with the teachings and the and have the love for Torah for Hashem and and and, 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 and for the Jewish people. So after that great miracle it almost sounded that this was a real victory for the Hasidim. So therefore because of that victory it sounded like the Hasidim were going to oh so now that we won they were gonna go out there and sort of take revenge or belittle or and the Alter Rebbe's clear instruction came from this talk, from this Katointi. And Alter Rebbe says, no, that just the opposite. That the more the Shem shows miracles, it's not to get a feeling of pride and to get a feeling of, uh, you know, we're ahead or we, we, we beat them or we, uh, we uh, are, you know, going to show them who's in charge. But on the contrary, just to be in a level of humility and subjugation, and only through that means one can draw and hope to bring people closer to Yiddishkeit and to Kaddish Baruch Hu, and to hopefully celebrate Yiddishkeit and the teaching of Hasidus and the Alter Rebbe's uh, special day.